first off, do you want to introduce yourself? Where people can find you, what you're working on, what you're doing, <laughs> what's your mission? Yeah, my mission is manhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm walking uh, into that no. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am Angela Abide, and I host a podcast called Mission Manhood. That's the corny joke. And um, I also am active on Instagram under Mission Manhood. I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Texas. And what I'm moving into is I want to create some courses like on masculine development, because I think a lot of people are really lost right now. And as a um, elder, I don't like that really, but it's true. <laughs> um, I, you know, I've raised three sons and they're 23, 20 and 17 and just observed a lot of things. And I see how things are different now for, for men and, they're facing a lot of cultural stuff. And it's like when I was in the fourth grade, I didn't know I couldn't see until a teacher told me, hey, you need glasses. And I feel like a lot of men right now, young men, they they don't know that they can't see or what they can't see. And I just think they need some elders um, yeah. to help. So <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to offer my elder wisdom. <laughs> That's awesome. That's actually, I, I love that. Um, there's a great, like, um, I'm blanking on the name, but it's Paul Washer has a good series about biblical masculinity. That might be the name of it, but it's something similar to that. And he makes a really solid point in the first episode is that, like, young men need, like, boys need men to teach them and train them and raise them up. And we're seeing a lot of, like, quote unquote, toxic masculinity or beta male or whatever you want to call it just like men who aren't really living up to like their mission like and it's kind of a result of them not having like men and or like elders like even just good moms in their life like really teaching them how to become men it's really just like oh be a better boy <laughs> oh embrace your little boy qualities you know and like you know seek for yourself and instead of like how do you become an actual like good man a righteously masculine man um, yeah. And so yeah, that's if you, I love that. if you hang out like in the men's spaces online too, you'll see that there are a lot of men that feel like they, their type of masculinity is the way to be a man. Yeah. And even to your point about, I don't know how to be a good man. You'll have some men saying, you don't want to be a good man. You want to be a dangerous man. Only a dangerous man could be a good man. <laughs> yeah. These guys are like, I don't even know what to think right now, you know? And that's why I started this project of just like taking you from like birth to death and what you should have received, like when you were a kid, when you become a man of, of your own, what are the tasks for each stage that are going to keep you advancing to the next stage? Yeah. And working on this, I realized one of the problems that we're having right now is a um, fatherhood issue. And in our youth obsessed culture, I feel like a lot of men are in the brotherhood stage and they don't really want to go. They don't want to advance to the next level because yeah. it, it, your life is not about you anymore. You're about life and you kind of have to dive to that certainty and develop nuance and become a generative king. And that involves a lot of sacrifice, but we so need and men to rise up to that and take on that mantle. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I love Linktree. I'm a big fan of Linktree. So we can get all your links to all your stuff and things at Link, Linktree. It's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E. 
slash A-N-G-E-L-A-A-B-I-D-E. Um, yeah, so that. my website is there. Um, the, the podcast link is there. And if, if you're on Instagram and you go to Mission Manhood, there's a link to Linktree and you can just like pull up the, the podcast or the website or whatever right there. And hopefully yeah. soon there'll be some courses. That's what I'm moving toward to develop some courses for people. That's awesome. I love that because that's like real, I mean, that's homeschooling basically. That's like real direct, like actual useful knowledge, not nonsense. <laughs> well, I mean, like on my heart, like my fee, one-on-one -on -one fee is fairly expensive and it kind of has to be. There's only so much time I can trade for, for money. And I've always wanted to develop a way that people, regardless of their like income level, can get access to really good solid um it's wisdom but it's also informed like i i'm a therapist too i have some 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 uh what am i trying to say expertise in a way that i think people learn some tools and skills and kind of if as they're on the journey just what i'm hoping is that they'll see where they are on the map they'll see clearly what they need to do in that stage and when they're ready they can advance to the next stage and so I'm excited about it. I think it'll help bring some clarity. But, you know, I look at myself like on an archetypal level as as the great mother type figure. And I do I've heard I've had a couple of men say to me, you know, you really can't teach men. You don't. What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, an understanding of, of what I'm trying to do, I think the mother does when people say a woman can't raise boys or a woman doesn't teach men, I, I disagree with that. And I think yeah. that from the very moment of conception, I was raising a man. I wasn't raising a boy um, and just offering that love. And when that boy's finally in my arms, I think what happens in that first bit of life, if it happens correctly, that imprints something really important on that boy. That when he becomes a man, he's understanding what unconditional love is, what worship is, and all those things because he's experienced that, you know. And then as he moves through that those stages of boyhood, he's kind of forcibly pushed to the next level, and his yeah. father's pulling him, and his mother's pushing him. And in a perfect world, it's this beautiful dance between the three of them to get the boy to the point where he's ready to launch out and. You know, just from that little snippet I just said, you probably, everybody you know missed that in some way. Either their mom was yeah. mentally ill or their dad didn't show up or the boy himself refused to advance. Yeah. So seeing where we've missed it, we can then go back and try to straighten out our foundation. Um, and then we can build something really solid on that. And what I tell young men, like in your 20s, I mean, you should be about discovering what you've missed understanding how you can do that for yourself and then you're you're ready to to launch out and um go through those stages of development and become that elder one day and take your place among the elders and and be a gift to life man that was amazing <laughs> that's powerful yeah i love it and yeah. that's that's like um i was gonna ask you because that's an amazing like tagline you have on your um instagram profile is i help men understand the divine dance of the masculine and feminine so they can heal grow and lead and that is yeah. crucial and i do 
I mean, I do think there's, like, times and places where, like, boys shouldn't be taught by women. But that's not never. <laughs> I mean, they definitely, like, young boys need moms to, like, care for them and nurture them. And help show them what a woman should be. And, like, the woman that they're going to, like, eventually potentially marry. Or just the women they're going to interact with in life, in their communities, in their churches. Like, a man should see what a woman should be. So that he can aspire to be with that person or help that person in some way. And men, whether we like it or not, like, we're called to lead. We're called to protect. We're called to provide. And there's going to be women in our lives, whether they're our wives or our, our sisters, that need our help. And it's crucial for us to have like mothers or motherly influences to help us like become those men as well and be that like role model. Um, but obviously, and we were, I think we were, we kind of missed it. <laughs> no, 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 we didn't just talk about it. It's like just that like men also crucially need, or boys, I'm sorry, crucially need men in their lives to teach them how to become those men. You know, I do think it's like, you know, I like that, that phrase you have, the divine dance of masculine and feminine, because it really is both. It requires both. Um, even though I guess primarily or the focus should be more on the masculine end, I think you do need, young boys do need good examples of a feminine, like a righteously feminine woman, it just in yeah. general for their own benefit. I agree. It's kind of deeper. Um, so in the perfect world, your first love is your mother. It's just this beautiful adoration thing that happens if you've, and a lot of people know what I'm talking about. You've probably observed it. You have the sweetest little boy who thinks his mother, whatever she looks like, is the most beautiful, the most charming, the most fantastic, whatever. And, you know, that's just such a special little time that they have. And like I said, I think that's a real imprinting time. And evolution, nature, God, whatever you want to call it. I mean, at some point the boy starts to smell bad and all his teeth fall out and maybe he, you know, gets a little chubby. I mean, he's not so adorable anymore. You know, it starts to push her away. So it's like this, this separation time, right? Yeah. But what I feel like is what really is important, not so much the mother and the child or the father and the child is he's also observing this beautiful dance between the mother and father, this giving and receiving and giving and receiving. And so she's supporting the father's vision and he's demanding respect for her, you know, because this is my wife, you're not gonna treat her, you know. So if the boy observes that through his whole life, when he gets ready to leave, he understands the dance. He understands, you know, what it means to be a righteous man and, and take on that mantle of responsibility because a lot of times we talk about initiation and I think initiation was just like the ceremony, just like graduation is our ceremony. You know, you've been through 12 years of school. When that, when the old days, when they would have those initiation ceremonies, it's because he's observed and he's learned and he's really gotten to a place where he can become his mother's king and he can become his father's brother. He's reached that stage. And so they're demanding that he go and take his place in the world because he's, he's observed this and he's ready to take on, you know, a wife of his own and start his own family and start to repeat the cycle. So that initiation is not just a one and done. It was a, a culmination of events that's like, hey, you're ready. It's time. So that's just how I look at it. I'm not. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I love that. Um, we got a bunch more questions along this line, but first, um, 
I always like to ask people if they can like share their testimony, like their short kind of version of their life testimony. Yeah, you mean like uh, Christianity or yeah, just life? Yeah. Yeah. So I was raised um, in a really, I guess, religious Baptist, Southern Baptist in Georgia home. And I, I feel like my parents were not perfect by any means, but I think they were among the last of that generation of really um, gender roles. My mother was yeah. this really soft, sweet lady who was so happy cooking and cleaning. And when I got to elementary school, she actually did go um, get a degree and became a nurse. And she loved that too. I mean, that was just right up her alley. But my father was, you know, definitely the head of the house. He covered everything. We answered to him. Um, so I had that example growing up. And um, when I left there, I was, I've always considered myself to be kind of a seeker. And so I kind of wanted more. And I, I really just tried out everything. I went evangelical, Church of God. I went Presbyterian, Methodist. And... <laughs> oh, yeah eventually even you know catholicism so i feel like i have you know experienced so many different kind of um interpretations of christianity and i think for the at the end of the day for me what it comes down to is the thing that's important to me whether you call yourself a christian or a baptist or a catholic or even atheist is that following Christ and living a life of love and taking up your cross and following. And there's so much beauty and there's so much about the message of Christ that makes sense to me. And um, I think a lot of times in our, we talked about this before we started um, recording, is that sometimes in our desire to be right, we kind of miss the mystery. we can't advance anymore because we've already decided what everything is and what everything means. And for me, you know, following Christ is every day waking up and saying, yes, Lord. And I don't necessarily always know where that's going to take me. And um, that's just kind of how, how I look at it now. It's awesome. That's amazing. And the picking up the cross what? and carrying it is so crucial (laughs) so powerful like being willing to sacrifice like being willing to humble yourself and accomplish a mission whether you like it or not that's set before you yeah and i I think i shared with you before i had my day planned out i was going to get here a couple hours early get a shower put my makeup on be really prepared for this interview but seriously um i had three kind of emergency and i'm not talking about like super emergency but just life kind of emergency calls where i'm on the phone for an hour you know talking to somebody you know three different times today and so it ended up that i just kind of slapped some makeup on and got in the chair just right when we were about to start and and that's really what i mean just living life on this raft and whatever presents itself to me that's god's will for my life that call is god's will for my life i had already committed to this so this is what i believe is god's will for my life today you know and i had somebody explain it to me when i was a lot younger is you know we're always going around searching and wondering what does god want us to do if the baby's crying that's god's will for your life you know if my neighbor is suffering that's god's will for my life i have to learn to nurture and care for myself 
so that I can be everything that you know I need to be in the world. So it's definitely a balance, but just living that a life of of love and service is to me what it's all about. That's amazing. Yeah, letting go and letting God. I always have to remind myself of that. Like let go, like especially when you're like stressed and you're worried and you're anxious and you're thinking about what's happening tomorrow or what just happened to you. It's like let go. <laughs> let go of you for a minute and just remember like let God work, you know. Um, yeah. some, that's kind of, I think Satan keeps you busy and keeps you worried about the past and the, the tomorrow um, instead of just being still and letting go of yourself and trusting him. Um, and then that's definitely when God speaks to you in that like voiceless voice is that moment when you're like yeah. in the moment, trusting, letting go of that, like yourself, your ego or whatever it's mm-hmm. technically called. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Just letting him, him take control, take the reins. Yeah, that consistent and continual yielding. Some people say death to ego. I think it's more, we need it. We need our ego. It's useful, but it's a tool. Our mind is a tool. Our body's a tool. That level of consciousness that we call ego is a tool. But taking that time to get centered and to, I think about it like the verse, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. So I try to get in that place where I picture myself under the shadow of the Almighty and I can just rest there for a minute. And so then that starts to inform my mind and my ego and where my body's going today and uh, starting to let that be my source, my energy source, is that deeper level. <laughs> That's amazing. Amazing. Um, who and where were you in 2010? And who and where will you be in 2030? What was I doing in 2010? <laughs> like like <laughs> roughly, like 10 years <laughs> ago and 10 years in the future. As Right after we're talking about not worrying about the... <laughs> The yeah. past or the future. Let's worry about the past and the future right now. Let me think about 2010 for a minute. That was, uh, gosh, I guess, you know what? I was still in the golden era of child rearing. Yep. Um, that, that seriously was when they get out of the baby stage, which you don't know if you'll survive really because you're not getting enough sleep and somebody's always crying and there's dirty diapers. <laughs> yeah. You get like, I had three kids that were three years apart. So that lasted a really long time. But in 2010, my youngest was six and my oldest was 12. And that was really the golden era because right before the oldest became a teenager and got really insufferable, I just felt like that was such a sweet, sweet little time. And, um, you know, it didn't last long because, like I said, that teenager started. And then for the next 10 years, I'm yeah. in adolescent uh, parenting, which was tough too. But every stage has its joy and challenge. I would say that. And um, so I've, I've enjoyed every stage of parenting. Where I will be in 10 years from now, I hope that my courses will have been such a blessing. Maybe I would have written a book. Um, I want to open like the boutique retreat center where um, I want to really minister to frontline leaders 
who are out there fighting a good fight and if they're having marriage problems or if they're wounded or they get exhausted they have a place to come and replenish and we sort of you know tailor it to meet their specific needs and not this is what we offer i want to know what do you need and we'll bring the people in but that's really what i what i want to do in the future yeah that's great and hopefully not in the city that you're in now <laughs> without doxing you you know <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm in austin now we were just talking about how it's just so expensive and it's traffic yeah. heat and you know, I grew up in Georgia, and so if I can close my eyes and think about where this retreat center is, I smell pine straw, wet pine straw. Yeah, oh yeah. And growing up, that was just such a great smell. And so I can see water, a pontoon boat, and I'm smelling wet pine straw, so. Oh man, that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. A great place. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Georgia's great. I love Georgia. Yeah. I've only really spent time in like the northern part, like the mountains part, but man, is that, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, amazing up there. Um, yeah, yeah then... the, I love Texas too. There's a lot of positives here, but when it gets really hot here, you are, are it feels like the desert. Everything gets really crispy. Um, <laughs> like the grass is crispy. <laughs> <Very desert. laughs> I want the wet pine straw somewhere. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Water, life, not the dry, dead nothingness. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you this because you posted this awesome picture on your Instagram um, about it's like a guy holding a sign that says "Fix yourself before you try to fix the world." Yeah. So I wanted to ask you: Should we fix ourselves before we try fixing the world? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean, really, that is my number one, absolutely number one thing that I tell people. So that sign just kind of went right along with my message. But, yeah. you know, I base that on, um, you know, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's taken me a lot of years to understand that. But, right now we can see so clearly how what kind of chaos we bring about in the world by trying to fix everything and everyone else first and if everyone could go to that deeper place and get in touch with that deeper level of consciousness like i was talking about that secret place of the most high and really start to work on themselves and learn to love themselves and what i mean by that is I become a good mother and father to myself. I start to take care of my wounded little inner children, my the parts of me that were hurt or abused or wounded. I learned to love myself and I have. I can say that um, I used to be so mean to myself and such a harsh critic and I, I was just so terrible in the way I talked to myself and so judgmental and wanted to be perfect. And when I got to the point where it's okay. I don't have to be perfect. If I have um, something go wrong, I can sit with that. And this is in my um, professional practice. I studied internal family systems therapy. And I think it just reminds me so much of how like God would, the story of the, um, the lambs, how he left the 99 and went after that one. 
And I feel like internally we can do that kind of work. Like there's that scared little child, whether he was five or eight or 10 or whatever, instead of continuing to berate myself for my weaknesses, I bring that part in and I learn to love that part. And when I get scared and nervous, I just have that part sit with me and say, I've got this, I've got you. I don't need you to keep looking out there to be rescued by your mother or your father or some relationship or, or something that's gonna happen. I've got you and I'm gonna care for you. And so you start to establish that trust in your inner system. That's what internal family systems means. And then from there, when I really sincerely learn to love myself, that just naturally flows to others. I'm aware that you have a child part. And maybe the reason that you're talking to me that way is because your child part is just so out of sorts. Uh, maybe you got activated for some reason. So I can learn to show my spouse, my children, that kind of love. And then they learn that and then they can show that to the world. And that's why it's so important for us to get us right. That's really the only power that we have to truly change the world. We change ourselves and then we change to the next circle and then the next. And then just like you're doing, maybe you start a, a podcast or a live stream and you start to help other people understand. So. That's why I think it's that that has to be it has to be in that order. Yeah, that's great. Well, the question I have, and this is like a kind of Christiany debate thing, where like definitely <laughs> like this is like denominations will fight over what's the right answer here or whatever. But can someone fix themselves, or do you need like the Savior to fix you? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> send me this one in advance, bro. <laughs> no, no worries, no pressure. Because I go, I, yeah. I go back and forth on it. Honestly, like there's questions because I'm such a new Christian where I haven't. I'm like I'm not set in my ways. I read the Bible and I let it lead me, right? So if I read something that like really just blows away my previous like conviction, my previous held work, like I'm gonna let God take me in that direction. And this is something that I literally have gone back and forth over, right? It's That's why there's so many denominations, like works-based gospels versus faith-based gospels, because you can read and interpret the scriptures in different ways. Um, but I just think that is an interesting thing, because that is a big manosphere thing. Like, you know, clean your room, bucko. You know? <laughs> Jordan Peterson, like, you gotta fix yourself before you can do anything. But it's like, also the Bible is pretty clear that like, you're never going to save yourself. That's why you need a savior. But also, like, you have to do the work, too. Like, it's your free will choice to do that. So I just think that's interesting. Like, can someone fix themselves? Or is it someone else? Like, is it Jesus that does the fixing for you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not like a hot seat. Sorry, I didn't mean to, like, do it like that. Yeah, <laughs> there's so much there. Like, we can talk about this for three hours. I think yeah. that... Um, you know, I do believe that God is love. And what I feel like um, is that, like Paul says, I beat my body and bring it into subjection. And um, I take every thought captive. To me, that's the mind and the body. I have to work on those two things. I have to learn to control my mind. And I can do that by learning therapy tools. I can learn thought stopping. I can learn to manage those little parts. So like, if you don't like to look at it as different personalities, you can look at it as different little bits of programming. So 
when something happens to me that triggers that five-year-old programming, I've got to learn to manage that. I can learn to manage that and I can exercise and I can work out and I can eat right and I can, you know, um, contain my passions and desires so I can manage my mind and body. When I do that, the reason that I do that is so that I can live from that place of spirit and I can be ruled by that. I can manage my life from there and I'm not like so concerned about being right about everything and I'm not, you know, going left and right and numbing everything because I can't handle it. I, that's just how I look at it. I, I, I discipline my mind and body and I do that so that I can live from the spirit. And I had a teacher tell me one time, only of the three, only the mind and body need to be redeemed. And so I do that work so that I can live from the spirit. I can, t- I mean, when I, I mean, look, I, I wrestle with all these things too the thing that is different for me now is i don't sweat it so much yeah. and so when i look at genesis 1 or john 1 and it's talking about christ and god was there and he's his son but he was there and this and <laughs> he is and he was and he was with god and he is god and i'm like my mind is like blown so what i really think is that we have this operating system that's not really capable of comprehending the mystery of faith and so what i'm doing is kind of looking through this little peephole and i'm doing the best i can (laughs) so when i meet somebody that's completely humble i know that they've lived long enough to be humbled and they have embraced the mystery of faith and they're living from love and that's what makes sense and i think you know through maturity that that's kind of where you get to um i don't know if that answered your question yeah no no, no that's great that's great but, i just oh, yeah good oh well you know i listen to like you know man manosphere kind of podcast where it's like and even like art of manliness where it's not like so masculine stuff it's just kind of like oh here's stuff about men here's some some inspiration here's some self-help you know here's like encouragement and here's my advice and order of man's another good podcast and stuff but it's kind of like at the end of it even though those two examples i bring up are like christians like a lot of what like their advice is really just like how to be a man in the physical sense and they don't really talk about what i think is so crucial which is like the spiritual so much more important like to me Everything is, and I like the, I actually love the phrase you said off, off air was metaphorical masculinity. It's like this shallow, physical, surface level masculinity. It's like you're putting the cowboy hat on or you're putting the Carhartt, you know, bibs on, but are you doing the work? Like, are you actually doing what matters or are you just like appearing to be a man? Are you practicing the appearance, like the outer shell of being a man or are you actually living it truly and fully? And I don't think you can do that without Christ. Like, I don't think you can become a true alpha male unless you are looking up to and truly like spiritually reuniting with the alpha male <laughs> of all the males, you know? So I like, I yeah. listen to all these manosphere people, but it's like, it's really hard for me not to like tune out or just, you know, respectfully disagree and kind of keep listening, but just being like, man, like you're so close, but 
you're not actually there yet because you're not like truly looking up to like the savior, like the person that is actually going to fix your problems or help you find a way to fix your problems, you know, whatever end of that debate you want to lie on. But yeah, yeah. I wanted to say that. I, I, <laughs> I, no, no, I agree with you. And I think a lot of men are locked into their version of what it means to be a man. And yeah. they don't really have a lot of use for anybody that doesn't kind of fit that formula. And I think yeah. that that can be, you know, harmful. And a lot of it is that uh, some of these guys are in that brother stage and your task of life when you're a brother is to accumulate knowledge and to learn. And so you think that this is the end all be all. That's your phase of life. That's what you're doing. And when you cross over and become a father, an example I will give you is you might have told your daughter, you know, when you're in the brother stage, no premarital sex. We do not have premarital sex, blah, 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 blah. Well, what happens when she comes home pregnant and she's not married, you know? Yep. That's the humiliation of the father. You're going to kick her out? How are you going to show this girl the love of Christ? All your formulas just got blown, yep. you know? And that's when you can start to understand the love of a father. And that's why when people get to be about 40, you know, ish, there's no real age to it. But when your kids start to become 18 and 20 ish, if you're kind of on the typical life just keeps coming and it's humiliating and you, you could have been the best parent in the world, but things are going to happen and you're going to start to understand that. Okay. It's not so important for me to have everything figured out. It's important for me to love people. And so a lot of the people, a lot of the podcasts that you're listening to, they're still in that stage where it's important to figure things out. And that has a lot of value. It's just not the end all be all. And yep. you mentioned Jordan Peterson. A lot of people love and hate Jordan Peterson, but I have a lot of respect for Jordan Peterson because I think that he can hold both of those things. He's a really good father. He'll tell you to buck up little buckaroo and clean your room. But if somebody in pain comes to him, he'll break down in tears with them. You know, he has a lot of compassion for people. And uh, that, to me, is the love of the Father. I'm holding you to this standard. I'm not going to let you go. But at the same time, life is suffering. And life is about showing love to others. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think I think it was Clausewitz. I could be wrong. But like a famous general in Europe once said, you know, you can have the greatest battle plan ever, but it doesn't matter once you have faced contact with the enemy. And then Mike Tyson infamously like summarized it in a more simple, easier way to like phrase it, which was like, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> so you can have the greatest plan in the world. You could be so smart, you know, have everything figured out and you're doing great. Like you're saying, like you're a dad and you're teaching your daughter and your son all the right things or saying all the right things well then what happens when something bad happens the unexpected happens the suffering comes in you know the chaos of the world we live in comes in the evil starts knocking at your door because you are doing things right what is your reaction then do you cave do you give up do you just like ignorantly keep going in the same direction or do you adjust and do you yeah. like just keep like doing what's right and I think that is why it's so crucial to have a relationship with Christ and be like in the word, because that is what's going to like be your anchor. That's what's going to be the solid foundation that won't, you know, as as your house is being swayed and pushed and pulled by that chaos. Like if you have a firm foundation in the truth and the love of God, like 
it doesn't matter. They can keep trying. That chaos can keep swirling around you, but your feet will be set. And you might get punched in the face a couple times, but you're not going to get knocked out, you know? <laughs> and you're going to have a strategy. You're going to have some comeback routines or some comeback, comeback punches. But yeah, that's a very awesome point. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you're going to get kicked in the face. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't even think you're going to make it or don't want to. I mean, I've had plenty of times where I thought, man, I wish I drank. I mean, I really don't yeah. like it. I have very low tolerance, but I mean, just sometimes it hurts so bad to be alive and you wish you could just drown. <laughs> but, yeah. I used to, trust me, it's not smart. It's not good. <laughs> it's a temporary re uh, relief that you yeah. pay for, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's some karmic blowback to it or, you know, some debts you have to pay back. <laughs> in one way or another yeah um that was a big thing for me in california it's so you know weed is legal and that's the best just oh man i'm so stressed out smoke a little bit of weed and feel good you know well what happens when it wears off uh now you feel bad again so are you gonna like embrace that like embrace the suffering push through it learn to grow through it or no i'm just gonna keep smoking more weed I'm just going to keep running away from my problems by like artificially making myself feel good instead of at, at some point you do have to just man up like or woman up. You have to like <laughs> grow up and overcome that what that crutch that you're hanging on to that's giving you what you said like temporary relief for like yeah. an actual problem that you're facing physical and spiritually. That kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. That's exactly how I pictured it in my mind. You know, you go to this image you have of Christ and say, save me. Yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> okay. You're like, okay, what do I have to do? And he's like pointing at your cross, like, take it up, yeah. follow me. You're like, I know what that means. I know where we're going. We're going to my death. If, if I follow you, I know where you're going. It's like, yeah, that's where you're going. And so we put it back down and we go try our way again we keep trying it our way and then finally one day just we're ready and we pick it up and we follow them and we know where we're going we're going to die to ourselves so that we can accept that gift that he's giving us yeah. which is i've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly it's a, a detachment from the things of the world that we think are going to make us so happy we we give that up and i think ultimately what the work of christ on the cross was He's giving up his attachment to the state. He's giving up his attachment to his friends. He's giving up his attachment to religion. Even his mother's standing there and he's looking up at God and saying, I, into your hands, you know, I commend my spirit. And so he, the, all the attachments were broken. And I feel like that's the place that he's leading us to where we can put our trust in Christ that's where that life more abundantly comes from when we're not looking for it outside of ourselves anymore that's great yeah i did a stream where i compared and contrasted like um the rich young ruler and the woman at the well because like yes. the rich young ruler had it all right and he comes to jesus and he's like how can i have more and jesus is like give up everything you have and follow me and the you know literally like the guy's name is rich young ruler because like he's forgotten he walks away sad no one knows his name he doesn't inherit the kingdom like he just disappears he has his stuff and his comforts and his pleasures and his status in the here and now and then he just becomes like a little a little lesson a little parable in the in the bible somewhere 
And then you contrast that with the woman at the well and she's like, has nothing. She's like an outcast. She's like, everyone in her city thinks she's like, you know, uh, a bad name. Uh, (laughs) A a promiscuous woman, you know, she's like poor, she's helpless, you know, and Jesus is like, here, here I am. Like, will you accept me? Will you follow me? And she's like, yes. (laughs) And she's so happy. She starts running instantly and evangelizing and spreading the good news. Um, And it's just such a powerful contrast of like, are you willing to like truly give up and sacrifice and follow your Lord and Savior and be saved? Or are you just in that place where you're so, you're too comfortable? You're too living for right now for yourself instead of like being willing to sacrifice. And sometimes it takes people being stripped away from stuff or suffering a lot for them to realize that they need that. Um, I think the infamous phrase is like, it's easy to find God on the floor of a prison cell. <laughs> like when you have nothing and it's probably very difficult to find God when you're living in a mansion on a mountaintop, you know, and you have it all. Um, but either way, like Jesus still offers you, like Jesus does offer the man the opportunity as he does offer the woman the opportunity. Like it doesn't matter where you are, he's still there and offering you the chance to pick up your cross and carry it. And it's like, are you going to do it? Some people it might be easier than others, but it's still there for everyone. Yeah. And you know, it says in the Bible, I think Jesus said for him who has eyes, let him see, or him who has ears, let him hear. And I think about that a lot in our day and age that we live in. It's like so many people are blinded. They can't see the truth. They can't really see that option of, of love being offered to them. They think that it's coming from somewhere outside of themselves, whether that's gonna be the government's gonna save us or Donald Trump's gonna save us or <laughs> yeah. you know, if we this trade deal or don't make it or whatever. And we put so much hope in our church or this system or that school or whatever. And really, no matter what side of the debate you're on or what side politically you're on, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's Christ. It's, it's that love and um, that's gonna save us. Amazing. <laughs> um, so I gotta ask, what is a man and what is a woman? What is a man? <laughs> I always ask a- everyone these questions, but now it's like, oh no, it seems like I'm copying someone famous who just did a documentary called What is a Woman? But um, for you, what is a man and what is a woman? I mean, to me, it's just really obvious. I mean, I'm a, I'm not a biologist. I'm not a biologist, but I took biology, yeah. right? Um, yeah. I've YouTube some videos, right? So yeah. So, I mean, I can just look up in the dictionary still, it hasn't been scrubbed and it'll tell you that a, a woman is an adult female, somebody who makes eggs and a man is a male and he has sperm and you know, they have different parts. One has interior plumbing and one has exterior plumbing. <laughs> yeah. It's not just like a choice. Like I can, I can take a sample of blood blindly and give it to somebody who didn't know where the blood came from, and they could tell me if it was a man or a woman. You know, we're we're made up differently. Um, we have different different makeups, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean the XX chromosome versus the XY chromosome. 
yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, you can pretend that's not the case, but it's kind of <laughs> something you can't really change. Yeah, I mean, this whole thing is just really crazy to me. It's insane. I do think that there's a spectrum. I think I can explain a lot of things. Give me a straight line. I can explain a lot of things. We have, you know, masculine and feminine. And I talk a lot about masculine and feminine and male and female and man and woman aren't necessarily the same thing because I have masculine energy. I have feminine energy. I'm definitely a woman. I'm a female. Um, but in order to operate in the world, I have to get into that masculine energy sometimes and problem solve. And sometimes, you know, if a man is caring for a baby or, you know, loving his his partner or his spouse, I mean, it's it's that dance. And we have that inside of our cells and we have that in our relationships and we care for each other, however it seems necessary to care for each other. And so I think over the years, people have gotten that part mixed up. And, you know, I don't really have a problem if, you know, I had this client one time who worked for a tree surgeon. Literally, she would come in my office and she would be covered with dirt and limbs. And she looked like, um, you know, she'd been out in the, the woods all day and she was very masculine in her appearance but that didn't make her a man yeah. she enjoyed her job she enjoyed what she did and uh she's free to choose that you know i i think that we shouldn't dictate what people should do i mean if a man wants to be a nurse he should be able to be a nurse if a woman wants to be an engineer she should be an engineer and so i don't know I don't know if that answered your question, but as no, far as no. man and women, I'm very clear about, about what that means. <laughs> yeah. It's... I can have a little wiggle room on, on freedom of expression for sure, but <laughs> but I, I know what a woman is. And I'm not a cis woman. I'm just a woman. Right, yeah, that's... When they start telling you what you are or are not, you know, it's like, well... <laughs> uh, did you Did you see the documentary? Or watch the. I haven't seen it. No. no. Did you see it? I did just because everyone's so obsessed with it and talking about it. Like all, you know, just everyone in my sphere of influence, my my personal life, my podcast life, like my church. Like so, it's like okay, I got to see it. But it's like even before I even hit press play, it's like, well, I know what a woman is. <laughs> I don't yeah. need to like be informed, yeah. you know. But it's like you still, I still wanted to watch it just to like be informed about what everyone else was talking about. And it just is, you know, it's like kind of what you assume. Like it's a, it's a man who knows what a man and a woman is asking crazy people <laughs> at this point in our society and our culture, like are either too stupid or they're too like selfish. Like they're like, they have like too much in their lives depending on like their reputation and their status. So they're like literally afraid to say the truth. And so they make up word salad or they make up non-existent terms and whatever to appease people's feelings so they can keep their job and their reputation and their friendships. Um, but it's kind of like funny because it really is like, uh, <laughs> this shouldn't be, this shouldn't exist, you know? It's so obvious, it's such a clear question like to answer, but it's sadly like at a, we're at a, we're at a place in our society where like a good amount of people literally can't answer that simple question, that simple like reality that we all, instinctively know and deep down know um and i like i just like the phrase he keeps bringing up like because people are like well what's your truth you know and he's like well there's like the truth 
he's like, I'm searching for the truth. Everyone's like, oh, why do you care so much? Why are you asking me this question? He's like, I want to know what the truth is. Do you know what the yeah. truth is? And there's just this common thing of these people just being like, well, there's my truth and there's your truth. And it's this relativity that's really causing all of the problems because like there is an objective factual reality made by an objective factual creator of everything and when you start playing nonsense games with that when you start rebelling against god so much that like you said you're blind to reality you get to the point where you can't answer a simple question like what is a woman <laughs> or what is a man you know um yeah so yeah it's just pretty wild but i think those uh documentaries like that are important because it kind of shows how far it's gone i mean you don't yeah. like i haven't seen it yet but i've seen some clips and you said, I don't know if they're, what's going on with them. I think a lot of people are deceived. You get, yeah. um, that's where when you don't discipline your mind, you can buy into a lot of things. Um, it, it's chaos. So you're trying to, it's like a, like getting back to that masculine and feminine energy. When you're too much in the feminine energy, you care more about feelings and yeah. how things will affect people. When you get too much into the masculine, it's all structure and order, and it can go south that way too. But right now, I feel like we're just so chaotic that we've we've abandoned the truth because we wanna make sure everybody feels okay. We've been doing this for so many years. Like we didn't wanna hurt anybody's feelings, so we gave everybody an award. And it just keeps getting worse and worse, and so, we have to have a container and I, that's why I love listening to people like, um, I don't know if you've heard Gad Sad on Jordan Peterson, even on Ryan Mitchler's podcast and those kind of thinkers that can explain the difference between absolute truth and this kind of truth and just, oh, okay, yes. Because when people say, um, when I ask my clients, what was true for you? So this might be true culturally but what was true for you i'm asking them how how were you raised what was your experience you know and i'm understanding what their life was like so yes there is subjective truth i wasn't raised like you were even in the united states if i was raised in new york city or you know south texas we have different realities in a way you know yeah. Yeah. Uh, we weren't raised the same way but then as you know these intellectuals that are just much more brilliant than I can, they will explain the difference between that kind of truth and the absolute truth. We can't really budge on what is a woman. That's true. <laughs> it's yeah. not open to my interpretation. So that's going to be true for everybody, no matter where you were born or raised or how you were raised. It is true that this is a man and this is a woman. And there are a lot of examples of things like that your experience might have differences, what's true for you based on your experience. But we get that all muddled up. Like I can't change definitions just because, you know, I have a, a way I want to express myself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, I love that, I, mean, I just love your, I love that phrase you have, the divine dance of the masculine and the feminine, because I do think both are needed. And so it's so yeah. crucial that like men are men and women are women and that we balance each other out. And when mm -hmm. that gets off balance in one way or another, like so many problems arise. Like I think when things are too masculine, you end up with like goose stepping Nazis or like 
Mongol hordes, you know, just destroying everything in their path. It's like, man, destroy, eat, kill, you know? And then the flip side is like like, what we have right now, which is almost like too much feminine, which is like your feelings matter. Everything is subjective. It's all about how you want to interpret things. And it's like, well, now we're getting to the point where like bridges are breaking (laughs) and like there's food supply shortages and it's like logistical breakdowns because people aren't masculine enough. And I do think that like divine dance is so crucial. It's so needed. Like you need men and you need women. And God clearly designed those two people to be like balancing each other out, to be complementary and like helping each other accomplish tasks. Like there's things a man can't do. There's things a woman can't do. And then they kind of are there to do what each other can and can't do with and with, with and for each other. And when you have the scales tip one way or another, it seems to be bad. <laughs> bad things seem to take place yeah yeah just like i was saying earlier though i think we all have that masculine feminine energy and i need to figure that out for myself and then in my relationship i mean i have three boys and three different personalities one of them is very much a leader he's going to need a softer more surrender type of lady that's going to be a good fit for him one of them is like Mr. Magoo, always losing his keys. He's going to need more of a manager to be a help me for him. Yeah. Then my youngest one is just, I don't know what he needs yet, but I'm just <laughs> saying everybody has different levels. And um, the middle one, if he had a woman like the older one, it would probably, they would just be always lost in their house. You know, never, yeah. <laughs> nobody was picking up the leadership role. So I yeah. think. You have to be mindful of that when you're looking for a partner or a spouse that you have a way of being. And if you're a creative um, artist type guy, you might need somebody who's good with books, which is typically more masculine, but that you can work it out. Um, The example that I have about the masculine and feminine energy for me is I had mice in my attic one time and I'm laying in bed and I can hear them scurrying right above me. And all I could think about was newborn baby mice. And I called somebody and they told me that they could destroy them. And I was just so sad thinking about all those newborn little baby mice. But that's the feminine. I I just, ugh, they're just so cute, you know? And then the masculine side of me is thinking about wires and destroying and urine yeah. and disease and all of that. It's going to cost me a lot of money. Order, <laughs> yeah, order the stuff on Amazon and get rid of them. You know? So I'm having to do this battle inside of myself. And it's hilarious. I knew at the end of the day I had to prevail and take care of this problem to protect my home and the kids and all of that. But you know, there are times when men are faced with chores or tasks that require them to be more nurturing and sweet and kind. Yeah. And the design is beautiful because we can we can do both. I might not be so great at this all the time. It wears me out to be in my masculine energy for too long. I like being in my feminine energy. But if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be able to operate in the world. You know, I wouldn't get my bills paid. I wouldn't make yeah. the hard decisions you know so i think it's just a beautiful design that we 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 each have both and then when you find a partner that matches with you you can do that dance with them and then you could set a great example for 
for the kids you have too. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a, so well put. <laughs> yeah. So I know like for me, I definitely am way more masculine almost all the time. And it's like, if you yeah. were to put like a one-year-old baby <laughs> with me, like I'll know how to like keep it alive, but like there's going to be like those instincts in me to just be like, come on, dude, just hurry up. Come on, just yeah. just stand, just walk, bro. You can walk, come on. And it's mm -hmm. like, I don't have that like, that instinct to like keep its hands away from like electrical sockets or to be worried about, you know, is it hungry or, you know, it's just like, ah, whatever, it'll cry if it needs me. You know, it's like really not good. <laughs> for like the masculine man to be dealing with a baby and then on the flip side like if you have like a teenage boy um it's really not great for like the extreme feminine energy to be like oh what's your feelings you know oh don't take any risks be safe be you know be compassionate it's like actually those boys need to learn how to become men they need to learn like you said like the world is chaotic and there's a lot of suffering out there and they need like a masculine energy to like be raising them up and teaching them to like become the men that they're going to need to be but like a masculine energy around a baby is not necessarily the best <laughs> it might, might work by default i guess but um yeah there's just like i think different times and different places for those different it's roles within us a really beautiful thing to see though if you see a father take his baby in his arms for the first time it's like all time and space just stand still you know and that's a different level that maybe he hasn't experienced because you know like i said we we all have that and you know you see these hulking dads like the rock with his little girl having tea i mean he can tap yeah. into that <laughs> that nurturing sweet you know love and i just i love to see people people doing that now he's going to get up from that tea table and go right back to work and do what he needs to do and take care of his family and all but we we all have the ability to rise to the occasion so to speak and and move in those different gifts and i mean i think to me that's part of the gift of god too because when i read the bible and i look at it i think of certain things as oh that's the masculine sort of nature of god or that's more of the feminine nature of god because i just think it's all this great dance the father the son and the holy spirit and you know, Jesus was so strong and firm and when he needed to be, but he was also very kind and loving and yeah. he, he saw the suffering of people and he met their needs where they were. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I love that point too, because that in our culture is so missed with a lot of Christians is they love like the soft, gentle, compassionate part of Jesus. And they don't really like it when he like tells people the hard truths. <laughs> When he kind of slaps some sense into people, when he's like that strong, like fatherly figure, or like older brother figure that like some people needed, um, it's like oh, I don't like that's I, I don't like that part. <laughs> I'm gonna skip over those red letters and, and then focus on these red letters over here that make me feel good, you know. But he was he was the alpha and the omega. He was like the the perfect embodiment of people, man and woman, like masculine and feminine energy. Um, yeah, but sometimes people like to focus on one or the other, <laughs> pick and choose one or the other. Yeah, I think that Christians are kind of a lot like the world in that you have some Christians that are, sorry, all on the feeling side and the emotional side, and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and we just want to love, love, love. 
we don't have any structure and order. And then you've got some Christians that are kind of just assholes. I mean, they don't have any compassion. They're just all the work. You know, when I was a kid, I had people saying that you were going to hell if you didn't have a red letter Bible. If the gospel wasn't in red letters, that was like we get caught up on our little rules and we forget the love part. And so I think that's why that divine dance is so necessary. And like we, this goes back to when you cross over from having to be so right, that certitude into the love of the father. That is when you're getting into that king energy, because the hallmark of the king to me is humility. I can bow my knee because I know I am not God and I know what my weaknesses are and I can as a man, I can shore up those weaknesses, whether that's my brothers or, you know, whatever I need to do. But that humility and that compassion that makes you a generative leader to your people and they feel your love and they feel that you are for them and you want them to be happy and blessed. That's really the love of the father. Love that. Love that. Um, a couple of questions I had prepared for you. That's kind of what we're talking about. But um, what is masculinity and is it a good thing? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> masculinity is, um, you know, I guess behavior, ideas, things like that that are typically from men just like feminine. I mean, it's kind of like ego. We all know what ego is, but having to come up with a definition of ego is kind of tough. Yeah, we yeah. know what feminine is. We know what masculine is. We know that we typically associate masculine behavior with men. We typically associate feminine behavior with women. And we also know that there's a lot of overlap. If I dress like Diane Keaton, you might not even know who that is. She incorporates a lot of masculine style, but she's very much a feminine woman, you know? And uh, so, I mean, there is overlap, you know, Prince wore blouses and high heels, and yet he still had a lot of girlfriends. So in our culture, <laughs> society, we do have some overlap, but as far as like the gift of men and masculinity, I feel like men are outer and women are inner and i should probably say masculine is outer and feminine is inner because there are a lot of women that are doing jobs and roles that are more outer and we have some men like shamans or gurus or artists that are doing work that's more inner that doesn't mean they're a woman or they're gay or they're feminine it just means that those are the gifts that are more interior and so we do have that overlap and i don't want to deny anybody the chance to be exactly who they are but as far as men in general they have such a, a beautiful role in society and I think in families of being leaders and um, just the covering. And yeah, it's a definitely a good thing. And the way I look at masculinity, again, like I said, I can tell you anything on a straight line, just as a spectrum. Me, toxic masculinity is too much or too little. And so when you have a man who's like bullying his way through the world and just making everybody's life miserable and getting his way by being demanding and strong. He's not surrendered to God or anyone. He's his own God. He's made God into his own image, so to speak. That's too much. He is using those gifts in a way that's causing suffering for people. 
that is toxic masculinity on the too much end. But then a lot of times that we have right now, what we have, what we're experiencing right now is too little. Yeah. And you have men who've been conditioned to believe that their masculinity is wrong or bad. They're apologetic for their masculinity. So these are the guys that I find in my office sometimes that I'm like, no, your masculinity is a gift and you have to learn how to um, use it as such. And, you know, those guys have abdicated their throne in some cases. And we've all seen families like this. I mean, we see these on the sitcom where the guy's just sitting there scratching his belly and the strong woman's in charge. And, you know, it's always a joke. He's always kind of hiding from the, the woman, talking yeah. to his friends, how we're we not going to tell so-and-so. And that's what we've been presented with in our society as a role model for men. And that gets into that metaphorical masculinity, um, that um, praxis of man, I think is the one that I learned that from. I interviewed him on yeah. the podcast, Cameron Dixon. Yeah. Yeah, he's been on my stream too. Yeah, he's a good guy. Really good guy. He wrote an article. He wrote an article called Boomer Masculinity, and we talked about that. You know, we've got this just really subpar definition of the man cave burping, belly scratching guy. And we all think that's kind of funny. But it's yeah. too little. It's not enough. I'm not taking on my mantle. I'm not pursuing my vision. I'm not pressing forward to become that generative king that can be a blessing to life and people yep <laughs> that's great yeah i love that we were talking about that of course you know my, my church is on father's day i have to like talk about father stuff right <laughs> but my my pastor kind of does verse by verse and he went through the like genesis and actually really broke it down in like the best way possible um and mm -hmm. it was kind of like what you're talking about where he, he's bringing up how like name a tv show or a commercial and it's going to depict the man or the father as like weak embarrassing he's the punchline he's but like the way he was kind of explaining it is like basically this guy has like abandoned his responsibility he's abandoned his accountability he's abandoned like his god-given role to like lead and provide and protect and be the man that like everyone around him needs like you were talking earlier like those spheres of influence and like you know we were called to tend the garden like in genesis like early on the first page the first two pages like God makes a man and he gives him a mission and he gives him a purpose and he gives him a help me, but he's also supposed to like provide and protect for that person as well. Like there's a lot of responsibility that is given to the man and you know, he's given the like the goal or the mission of leading, which, you know, of course in our feminist mindset culture, it's like, Oh, how dare you say that men are like made to lead the women, but that's a lot of responsibility. Like that is like, not this just great, like put a put a trophy on your mantle and pretend like you're the greatest thing ever because you were born a man. There's a lot of responsibility with that. There's a lot of work with that. There's a lot of risk taking involved with that. And it's not necessarily good in a lot of cases. But mm -hmm. um, in our culture, we've kind of abandoned that. A lot of the men, and you can see it very clearly on TV and in commercials, like men abandoning that and just seeking for themselves and you know trying to get drunk and... Um, well, I think you put it, you had a good post on Instagram too, um, <laughs> when you were outed as being a woman, <laughs> you posted, um, just because a man has a fancy Instagram account, a beautiful body and says he has a lot of sex doesn't mean he's worthy of your attention. And I love yeah. that too. Cause it's like, even just the false appearance of being a man 
you're still not living up to like being a man you're still not actually like fulfilling your roles that god has intended to you like you're not tending your garden you're not being fruitful and multiplying you're not being loyal you're not like providing and protecting you're just putting on this appearance of like i'm a quote-unquote man i'm living a good life i'm look at how flashy i am look at how fancy i am or how much status i have like that's not being a man either so there's a lot of like that um <laughs> just idea of like men failing um which is actually another question i had for you which is are men failing women in these modern times um i mean definitely in some cases but you know the age i am and what i can see from my vantage point what i can see from raising these kids um like i said they're 23 20 and 17. there's a lot of stuff that's it's almost like the perfect storm where you're kind of set up to fail i think that's one category of man and that's the man that i want to help if you're a young man and you want to be a good man i want to help you understand what that means to be a good man and then you can launch out and you know get your foundation right and then launch out and go to the brothers and iron sharpens iron and all of that but there's such foundational problems right now based on our society and culture and all that um but there are a lot of really really terrible men in the world and there are some terrible women and so it kind of depends on what your focus is and and where you're going and what you value one of my pet peeves is like the constant talking about feminists and feminism and i was talking to um cb robertson chris robertson in my last episode and he had such a great point he's like look don't wait on the government don't wait on whatever go live your good life and you know, he's got a wife and he works out in his backyard and he has a goat and some chickens and he oh, yeah. is electrician and he works hard and he reads books and he's creating a good life he's not waiting for the feminists to give him permission to do that you know yeah yeah <laughs> I think that young men should really you know think about that like go yeah. find a good woman who wants what you want and then go build that life you know they're out there yeah if there's TikToks horrible it's also great you can also manipulate the algorithms and find a lot of great yeah, people there can be awesome yeah. <laughs> it's like but all yeah, technology you can use it for good there's a lot of junk bad. on tiktok yeah. but i've got some beautiful people there yeah it's a, you can if you set your if you set a, a goal to like manipulate the algorithms it actually can really work out in your favor but one thing being in all these christian circles so like really grooming my like feed to be like christians I've noticed a lot of Christian women being like, basically, it's all different. It's all funny. It's all different texts and words and phrases. But the general theme seems to be a lot of like young Christian women basically being like, can I just get a Christian man? <laughs> like it, sometimes it seems like the bar is so low. They're just like, is there like any guy out there that just doesn't want to hook up with me? And it's kind yeah. of like funny because they're making it funny, but also like sad. And then I'm like, guys, come on. Like, I'm looking at these women like, where, like, that is a good point. Like, where are the men? And I don't feel like it's this, oh, where are all the men these days? Like some weird complaint that isn't founded in truth. I feel like that is a reality. Like even these quote unquote Christian young men, they are partying. They are drinking on the weekends. They are living for themselves. They're too focused on their career. They're too focused on their fun, their pleasure, their status. 
they're not actually trying to live up to and be like righteously masculine men who have responsibilities. Um, they kind of are putting all of that off <laughs> so that they can like travel and go hang out with their friends and play video games and, you know, whatever, insert whatever they're doing here. But it does seem to be like even in the Christian circles, like men are just not wanting to be responsible. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to work hard. They don't want to suffer. They don't want to struggle. Um, they don't want the payoff that comes with having children. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I see a lot of beautiful men. Um, you know, I've interviewed a lot of men your yeah. age who are, you know, you know, taking their wife and forging their life and having babies. And like you said, it's, it's a price, it's a sacrifice. And, but I mean, we're up against like social media and all the perfection, the perfection becomes an enemy of the good. It's not enough just to sit and have a pot roast at the end of the day and read a good book. And I really miss, sometimes I think about the fruit of the spirit, the one I, I just feel like is so missing right now is goodness, just goodness. We used to take such pleasure in little things, little sweet things. And right now we have this society where it's just, we're dopamine addicted. We're always yeah. swiping and you know, our attention. So like, I've been thinking about this myself and talking to my kids, like you really need to work on that addiction because you're going to set yourself apart you mastering that in your life is what's going to set you apart you being able to still read books is going to set you apart yep. and that's that's really going to stand out um there are a lot of young men right now who they don't know how to be they don't know where to go i mean my oldest son when he gets to college they had a you know talk to all the guys about consent which i'm all for you know there are a lot of terrible things that happen on college campuses to women but then you take all the good men and make them so locked up that they're afraid to say hi to a woman because yeah. they don't know if that's offensive. And yeah. so yeah. you have a lot. When I talk about that foundational work, before you're even ready to go out and strike out on your hero's journey, this generation needs a lot of foundational work. Like, okay, what does it mean to be a good man? Where did what did I miss in my childhood? What effect and what effect did um, internet, what effect did Wi-Fi have on me? Because we're the first generation that was raised more by our phones than by our parents. And that's not a small thing. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to be studying this for years and years and years. But in the meantime, we've got a lot of kids that can't get out of their bed and get the blanket off their head. And we can't. <laughs> I mean, look, no. the elephant in the room is porn, too. I mean, yeah. If you're a guy who's been taught that sex is bad, it's wrong, don't touch a woman until you marry her, all that. And then every day, I mean, there's, there it is, you know, there's yeah. some wicked woman there. That's hard. You have to work really, really, really hard to get that out of your, out of your life. You have to consciously not want to do that. And it's like, you have to stop the train, which takes an incredible amount of energy then you have to push the train back, which takes a lot of energy. Yeah. And then you have to start it on the right path again. <laughs> That's yeah. what we're dealing with right now. If you want a relationship with a real woman and you want to be a leader and you want to be the man of your house and you want to get on that journey to being a king with a vision, we got to stop the train, push it back 
it's doable and it's it's the path to a beautiful life and um i know that that we can do it it's just i have a lot of compassion for men that are young men in today's world because as a mother when wi-fi came around i can tell you it was like when our kids had wi-fi on their computers you know you're constantly like trying to get the water out of the boat like you're trying to stay ahead of it you're trying to have the right programs to protect and then everybody gets a smartphone and i remember having the revelation like i can't protect my kids yeah there's no stopping this yeah i can't protect them it's like the the boat sank and at that moment you just have to like turn it over to god because i it's out of my control it's out of my hands the snake came in the garden and took over yeah and uh they they probably have seen more sex than their grandfathers ever saw in their life. They've probably seen naked people than their ancestors ever saw in their whole entire lifetime. Yeah. And uh, it's not a small thing, and we don't really understand what the consequences of that are. But I would say to any young man, the sooner the better. The sooner the better you can cut that off. There's so many programs that can help you with that. I think that is the first step to getting a real relationship with a real woman is to get that fake shit out of your life. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's exactly. I was going to ask you, how do we rebuild the men? But I feel like that's a really good first start that, like you said, no one wants to talk about. Preachers aren't talking about it. Parents aren't that's talking about it with their kids. Preachers are jerking off in their office. <laughs> They yeah. don't want to talk about it, right? Yeah. Sorry, sorry yeah. preachers, but um, I mean, not all of them, obviously, not all men, obviously, but any man who's not has made a really conscious decision not to. It's yeah. predatory. It is absolutely predatory. As Mission Manhood, every time I post something, I get a naked booty, right? Peaches. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody like it in my post every single time because I, I come across as like a masculine. I never get that on my private Angela Abide, never. But it's just like these bots are predatory. And because I yeah. use these terms like masculinity and yeah. whatever, there's always three or four. Yeah. And probably bots, but they're offering to show me anything I want to see. And that's what <laughs> men are dealing with. Yeah. Even if you're trying to be good, you know? So as men, I think, and I see a lot of men doing this and I've got a podcast coming up about uh, pornography. And yeah, I think it's good, a yeah. very intentional practice. It goes back to what we were talking about, your mind and your body. That's both. It's, ta- it's like a parasite that has infected your mind and your body. And it's messing up your mind in ways that you can't even imagine and it's destroying your body. I mean, they're saying now that erectile dysfunction in young men is because they, they've, they're consuming so much porn. So your chances of having a real relationship, so say you do get a, finally get a real relationship and you can't perform because of everything you've done to your mind, yeah. it's a really vicious cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. It's like yeah. such, a, such a parasite, like you said, in all of the ways. And I was talking to, um, there was one time when I was talking to, and I'll just say like, I guess a boomer. 
<laughs> is that mean? Is that offensive? I was talking to a very boomer lady and, you know, friend of family friend kind of person. And I was asking him, like, oh, how was church today? Like, you know, was church good? And she said, yeah, it was good. But, you know, we went to this church that's, like, very older. Like, the denomination is a bunch of boomers or even older. You know, like, it's very an old people, small town in the middle of Kentucky church. And she's like, yeah, and there's this new young preacher and... You know, he tried, like, she's being, trying to be real nice, like, oh, he's trying, but, you know, today there he was talking about pornography, and it just didn't seem like a place to talk about it, because everyone in this church is, like, old. And I was kind of, like, I actually kind of, it's one of these things, like, I remember this because I should have spoken up, and I didn't. I was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. What I should have said is, like, good. Like, A, those people need to hear that. Like, this isn't just a young person problem. It's an everyone problem in our society today. Everyone has phones. Like you said, everyone's being targeted by bots and by spammers. It's there. It's the elephant in the room. People don't want to talk about it. But also, yes, like, okay, you have an older denomination. They still need to understand how prevalent it is and how big of a problem it is because they have nephews and sons and daughters and grandkids. Like, yes, it doesn't like, okay, let's say everyone in that denomination is perfect and not struggling with it. There's people in those people's lives that are. So you should be like causing that ripple effect in your denomination. And so I kind of regret not being like, man, that was good. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're trying to selectively talk to your denomination. Like it's such a prevalent parasite in our society in every age group, but like specifically with young people that even older people who need to like understand how much of a danger it is can be that inspiration and that hope and that positive change for their kids and nephews their yeah, i don't know how younger how old that population is but anybody that knows how to maneuver the wi-fi you know yeah it's you, there yeah. You have to be <laughs> yeah and you know you were talking about younger men who are like good and ready to branch off but then what i'm seeing in the older men who are married is sexless marriages and that's yeah. epidemic as well. And that's one of the, the key components there. Not only is it taking the place of it, but the way porn, the way men learn about sex now is porn. So you get this idea of how you should be performing and it's really not real life. And so maybe the woman is dissatisfied and she's not really into it or interested. She doesn't feel like you're making love to her. She feels like you're having sex with her and you could have substituted any old body for it. Yeah. That doesn't make a woman feel safe. And so she's not really interested. And then they just drift apart and he keeps doing his porn and she keeps doing her thing. And it's just, it's epidemic right now. And uh, it's really tough, but I would say for, for anybody, that's a good place to start right there. Absolutely. There are a lot I, of resources. I noticed too, because I really struggled with it. And when I was becoming a Christian in my early stages, like, you know, just three and a half years ago, I still was struggling with it. And then when I stopped, there was like, you know, it was still kind of whatever, whatever. But like two or three weeks after I just totally stopped, I noticeably could see clearer. <laughs> like I could just see reality. I could see patterns better. I just had healthier relationships. Like I would interact with women, like my coworkers or just like, I worked at a coffee shop at the time. So I'm interacting with a lot of customers. It just like really was like healthy, happy relationships, healthy, happy conversations. There wasn't this like thing in the back of my mind of like, 
you know, impress her. Oh, say the right thing. You know, I wasn't nervous. I wasn't trying to say the right thing. And it just really like opened me up to just genuinely like care about women. Just genuinely be like, oh, what are you up to? Not like, what are you up to? So that I can like use that <laughs> to my selfish advantage potentially, you know. And especially like with Christians in the church, like you're looking at these people who are supposed to be your sisters and you're having naughty thoughts about them. You're thinking about them. You're, you know, you're doing this porn stuff. It's clouding your, your opinion of them, your relationship with them. Um, and so I always advise young men and I'm, I always do not shy away. My friends will tell you in Bible studies, like I awkwardly bring it up. Like when's the last time you watched it? Let's cut that out. You know, if you think about it, like hit me up, let me be your accountability buddy. Because I really do like know the night and day difference of like that cloudy brain that you have, that cloudy like veil that's covering your eyes and like how open you are and how much better your relationships are and like just better your life is without it. Um, seeing it night and day is, is amazing and I think gives you an opportunity to help others with that and overcoming that. Yeah. So everyone out there, yeah, quit the porn. <laughs> and if you need help, come talk to me, yeah. <laughs> So many little rabbit trails that you just brought up. I mean, we could yep. spend an hour on every one of them, but that thing about men being for women, that is so true. It's this social contract that we've always had. I can be overtaken by any probably 14 year old I meet. I mean, they could literally take me down because their center of gravity is different. Their body's different. And we have this social contract that the men take care of the women. And I have noticed in recent years, like you'll meet a guy and he really just has no use for you at all. I mean, like yeah. steel, cold eyes. And that might be because I'm older, but another weird thing is we're sexualizing everything. Yeah. So kids are being sexualized and older women are being sexualized like cougars and everything's yeah. So I can't look at anybody like I can't look at that lady as my mother. I can't look at that lady as my daughter. I can't look at this girl as my sister because everything is sexualized. And that's having a detrimental effect on on our society. Yeah, love has become lust, like even yeah. in every relationship, like two guys can't love each other anymore, you know, because yeah. yeah. everyone's jumping to that lust conclusion when it's like, no, we're just brothers like <laughs> You know, you can't, a daughter can't yeah. sit on a, her father's lap anymore without people like thinking, oh, that's gross. It's like, no, that's absolutely not. It's pure love. It's not lust, you know? And it really is, yeah, causing a lot of problems, like a lot of problems in a lot of ways. Yeah, I talked to um, a guy named Voy on my podcast, and one of the things we talked about is how much has been taken from us. And that's one of the things I said, like, I can't just walk by and have a man say, oh, you look so pretty today. And when I was a kid, that was common. You know, it was yeah. just an appreciation for the feminine. It wasn't anything weird. And it was like, oh, thank you so much. You know, it was just... Yeah. It was just a dance between the two. And now we've put so many rules and regulations and we've made it dirty and wrong and yeah. you know, the yeah. music and all of it. So I guess my message for a young man would be like, you can live an intentional life. You can live the kind of life you want and, and get back to some of those more traditional values and virtues. It just has to be intentional. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, how how do how do young men save the damsels in distress? 
in today's day and age? Oh, don't do it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, when you're, when you leave your mother and father, it says you leave and you cleave, right? I think there's a space there, especially now. In the old days when everybody was taught everything they needed to be an adult, they could get married at 15 years old and be fine. We don't have that anymore. And in fact, we have the opposite. Like I said, the snake entered the garden for this generation way earlier than it ever has. So you guys knew the knowledge of good and evil way before anybody probably in history has known it. And that's not a small thing. And what I think you have to do is decide you want to have an intentional life, decide what kind of life you want to have, and then go after that. Fix your foundation, figure out what you need to forgive your parents for, determine to be a good mother and a father to yourself. And then when you get ready to cleave to somebody, you find somebody who's done that work, who's forgiven their parents, who's you know, shored yeah. their foundation up, who's learned to be a good mother and father to themselves. When you find that healthy person, you can become one flesh with them. You don't want to be unequally yoked with somebody who needs saving, you know, yeah. as old as that sounds. No, absolutely. That's not your job. You know, you need to find somebody that you can build a strong family with, somebody that can get on board with your vision, who is able to surrender to you, yeah. to your yeah like like if, if you're running the race if you're running the marathon as paul says it right towards the towards the finish line that is eternity you can't like stop and wait for someone to catch up you can't stop and like tether yourself to someone and try to pull them along with you like you have to be find that person that can like run alongside you and like with you in that race that marathon towards eternity um, but we have a tendency to like get sidetracked and averted and hit pause and wait for someone to catch up. And, um, yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> that's yeah. a really, really good point. I mean, in your life, over the course of your life, I mean, the woman is the weaker vessel. She's going to have emotional needs. She's going to have hurts and things like that. That's when you minister to her in a way that's, you know, maybe you helping the damsel in distress, but as far as you joining your life with somebody you want a healthy individual to do that with and yeah. you know she you're going to have needs and weaknesses and desires that she helps you with and that's where that dance comes in i mean the two of you learn to minister to each other and and meet each other's needs so it's not like you have to get a perfect person and you're never going to be a perfect person but you want a healthy person to start off with yeah that's amazing. I love that. I love that phrase. You, Cause I, I always tell people this too is so crucial that they start here. And I'm always telling my dudes to do this is forgiving their parents. Mm -hmm. That's so crucial because I, to me, forgiveness is a crucial pillar of being a Christian and living righteously. And yeah. I don't think that you can do that. It's my opinion. I don't, this isn't necessarily biblical, but just in my, my personal experience, what I've seen with other people, fellowshipping with other people, hearing their stories. I don't think or see people being able to forgive anybody until they've forgiven their parents. I really think it starts there. Like if you can't go to your mom, <laughs> if you can't go to your dad and forgive them, or if maybe you're not able to because you never knew your parents or your parents are you know deceased or whatever, 
if your spirit just truly cannot forgive your parents for whatever they've done to you, you're never going to be able to look to like anyone else in society and forgive them. And so I always tell people to go forgive their parents. Like I learned that from a guy named Jesse Lee Peterson. Um, you can love him or hate him, <laughs> but that's like the greatest advice he ever gave me. I went and did it and it totally just freed me up. And my life has been so easy ever since to like actually genuinely forgive people. People that really cause me harm, seek to cause me harm, really come at me with anger and aggression and destructive behaviors. And it's so easy for me to just like let go, let God, you know, and just really, truly, genuinely just forgive them. Like they know not what they do. Lord, forgive them anyways, love them anyways. Um, but I really don't think I'd be able to, and I don't think people are able to until they like genuinely, truly forgive their parents first. Um, so I love that you yeah. said that. I think that's so crucial to <laughs> tell people and remind people of that. I mean, as a therapist, you know, the way I look at it too, is you're doing that for yourself because yeah. when you're saying, I want to be a good mother and father to me, um, I'm kind of releasing them from that and I can take care of myself. I can take care of all these little wounded parts. I'm not continuing to look to them to do it. And um, it's sort of a releasing in a way, like, I'm, you know, I have to believe that you did the best you could do with what you had. And I did a Father's Day post, if anybody wants to look at it, it was just a picture of me and my dad, where I said I watched him transform over my whole life. And that was the greatest gift. So it's not like he was this perfect father the whole time. He had a lot of stuff to overcome. And the gift to us, his kids and his grandkids, is that he continued to do the work. He continued to advance. And now we have this wonderful relationship that I don't know if I ever knew would be possible. But he continued to do the work, and he's he's been a righteous man. But I will say just a little post note to what you said. Some people's parents are really terrible people. Yeah. So you have to be really careful with that. Sometimes forgiving is just a releasing and, you know, just turning them over to God, but you still have to have really good boundaries. I mean, some people would never allow their parents to keep their kids overnight, you know, just based on what oh, they yeah. went through. Yeah. So you have to be smart and forgiveness sometimes just means I release you. I give you to God. Um, that that's, that's taken care of. And sometimes people need, professional help with that um in order to to get past that and that's okay too yeah yeah i don't think it's necessarily apologizing it's not you surrendering to them because like a lot of times like you're saying i mean if you had a very traumatic experience with like a father like <laughs> it's just he's the worst he did horrible things but at the end of the day like if you are releasing like you said like you're you're just releasing that you're letting go of that like the trauma is no longer going to like control you and linger over you because you are forgiving them. You're not like necessarily asking them for anything. You're not looking for anything yeah. in return. You know, you're not giving them anything. You're just letting go. You're releasing. Like that's a crucial, yeah, like that's a really crucial part of it. Yeah, and it gets complicated like with that honor your father and mother thing. And if you have a mother that just wants you to still be her boy yeah. um, or <laughs> wants to have some kind of influence in your life. I mean, I think eventually I'll get into this, but I feel like the proper role for a mother is to work herself out of a job. I want these boys to become my king. That's what I want, because when they become a fully actualized man, they're going to be a king. I'm going to be the queen mother. I'm going to be looking at them for guidance and leadership. 
you know i don't want to be in control of them forever so you make that transition of being like they're literally connected to your body literally they have to be cut off of your body then pushed off your body and then pushed out the door <laughs> and then eventually they they become their own man they become their own king yeah. and that's the way it's meant to be and a lot of women they can't they can't release they can't let go so even if their son goes out and gets married and gets a family they're still trying to you know insert their opinion or control in some way yeah yeah which might be good that might be a good instinct to have you know like until it's not <laughs> until it crosses some lines like um but yeah that's amazing. yeah i think the job of the mother is to tell her son the truth and to um you know just like mary was at the foot of the cross i mean she maintained eye contact with him i think that's the job of the mother too like why you know in your suffering you know that there's one person that knows exactly who you are knows what you're going through i mean that's a proper role for a mother it's not like she's supposed to completely go away but i'm not going to try to get you off the cross and i'm not going to try to talk you out of your your work or whatever you know i mean there's plenty of like movies where you see the mother standing and watching her son get beat up she's not trying mm -hmm. to save him but he she's there she's standing with him yeah. in his time of suffering so yeah that's always amazing yeah um we'll have like so many more questions for you so i'm just definitely gonna have to have you back on sometime in the future to talk about <laughs> all this awesome stuff um yeah, this has been amazing i just love your takes i love your opinions um you just put everything so like elegantly <laughs> sometimes i have this big chaotic like 10 minute long rants in my head and i feel like you just like simplify it into like a minute and it's like very well said so thank you thank you <laughs> for putting beautiful words in my mouth um uh, i think what you just described is is what i feel called to do and i think um like i think there's a historical precedent for you know, a man coming off of the battlefield and consulting with a wise woman, you know, because like you said, it just starts swirling in my head. And then you have somebody to help you come back down to center so you yeah. can see and remember what your vision is and what you're called to do. And then you're like, okay, right, yes. And then you're ready to go again. Yeah. And so I do feel like that is that is part of my calling is to help men in that way. And um, I appreciate you recognizing that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Do you, do you want to, before, I have one final, final question, but before that, um, do you want to like give any plugs or shout outs or let people know where they can find and follow you? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm on Instagram at Mission Manhood and my podcast, Mission Manhood, is available wherever podcasts are. Like you said, at, at that account, there's a link tree. You can also go on my website, AngelaAbi.com and find access to the, um, podcast as well and i'm really working on doing a newsletter and i'll be promoting that but that's you know if you follow me on instagram i'll be promoting it through there i'm on tiktok too at angela abide and i i want to do more with that but you have to have a thousand followers to do lives and so i'm working on on that oh, yeah. Yeah. cultivate a community there and help people there yeah, that is kind of a good and bad thing, because I guess maybe not everyone should just be able to hit live. 
<laughs> like letting the yeah, bots yeah, yeah. but it's also kind of rough when you're like i have 900 people and i really have a meaningful live stream that <laughs> I, mean, I would love to do this one night a week just get on and answer questions for people i think that would yep. be amazing and um so that's what i'm i'm going for so if you can follow me on TikTok at angela abide or on instagram at mission manhood that would be awesome yeah I'll definitely follow on TikTok for sure. Um, and yeah, your Instagram is amazing. <laughs> and the guests you have on are amazing. I've been like binge listening to all the everything on Spotify. So definitely yeah. find and follow the Spotify or the wherever you do podcasts and listen to all the awesome interviews. <laughs> all the but awesome I try guests. to keep it short because my attention span is not really long. Some of these people go three and four hours. My episodes yeah. are like 30, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour if we go crazy, but I like yeah. to kind of keep it short and succinct. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I just ramble, ramble, and then sometimes I look up at the clock like, oh man, we're at like two and a half hours. I guess we need well, to. Well, this, kind of like, this is like two people met for coffee and they're just they're yeah. just talking. Yeah, I love that too. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> and I've heard both. I've heard like from like my fans and followers, some people are like, yeah, like your streams are way too long. Like I literally have to listen to it in chunks over like a course of a week. Yeah. And I've heard the opposite where people are like, I work all day and I'm looking for podcasts to listen to. And it's almost like not enough. Like you only do once a week, uh, you know, and it's two and a half hours, but I wish it was like three days a week because I need more stuff to listen to. So it's like, I yeah. feel like you're never going to make anyone happy. You just kind of yeah, that's do what, true. what, what it's so works for you. Individual preferences like if i ever listen to a joe rogan podcast it takes me like a week i yeah. can do like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah right on well my last final question for you is did you have a fun time tonight oh i had an amazing time i mean <laughs> i mean that. you're you know how sometimes like when you're doing marketing stuff they're like define your avatar who do you want to talk to i mean it's you it's, uh, <laughs> your age that has questions that thinks wow you're you're a smart lady and i'm so glad i got to talk to you i mean that's that's what that's why i'm here and that's what i'm doing i want to help people like i said if there's a young man out there that wants to be a good man i want to help him develop those those tools psychologically um and spiritually so that he can go out and and go after his vision and so yeah this is such a treat and such a a privilege yeah. to be here thank you so much no yeah thank you and yeah keep up all the good work because it is crucial like I, I do kind of like we were saying like young men can get real wrapped up in the manosphere and i want to become a masculine man and then they just like start doing brazilian jiu-jitsu and eating steak and they're like yeah this is it i'm a man now it's like well you're kind of yeah. missing the spiritual part and then even on the flip side it's like the manosphere man stuff is like men and it can become a masculine echo chamber <laughs> and it's like well actually like here's like i love the, the the dance the divine dance like you kind of do need to be grounded and you kind of do need to understand the role that like femininity plays maybe not in your life but in the bigger picture of your life like in the community uh, around you the, in your church in your family like in society so that's great yeah. i love that you're doing this and i think you're helping a lot of people with all this so please oh, keep thanks. up the work. Keep crushing. Don't stop. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> One thing I would say to what you said about the manosphere that I've noticed is most of those guys are brothers. And so they're concentrating on finding answers and they want to be right. And they're telling you what they've discovered is the right way to be a man. So they're not wrong, 
but just listen and glean and see what feels right to your spirit. But then in your life, you also need fathers and you need elders. So that could come through books or podcasts, find people to follow that are in the father stage and find people that are elders. You can read their books. So yeah, your brothers are great, but don't get caught up there because then you just kind of become arrogant and you you're, you're so concerned with being right that you forget to be loved. And that's what you learn from the father and the elder. So just mix it up. <laughs> I love that. Love that. Yeah. Thank you so much again. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful.